When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello. Welcome back to Excuse My Friend. I'm Julia. I'm Alexis. And today's guest is Claire, the heartbreak coach. She's a celebrity heartbreak and dating coach, and she's known for her articles. She's written on Kourtney Kardashian's lifestyle website, Poosh. And Claire specializes in helping people get over breakups. So we all need to hear from her and we had to have her on. So hello, Claire. Let's talk about love. (laughs) Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you guys today. Oh my god. Anytime I'm someone so... wants to talk about love or they talk about oh. love, we're like hooked. We're we like, we are there. That's all why right. I started this podcast. <laughs> it's love, love, love. Last night I was talking to her about my love drama. It's just a, a thing. Us girls, everyone loves to talk about. It's something we can right? all relate with. I was talking about it all the time for free. And I was like, maybe I should get paid for this. <laughs> totally. It's time. Smart move. <laughs> yeah, tell us about that. How did you get in the life coaching, love coaching business? Well, because my love life was in shambles throughout my twenties and into my thirties. And I was just such a soul searcher and was reading all the books. I'm 42 now. So Um, My rock bottom, what I described to be my rock bottom relationship at 29 and 30 years old truly rocked me, pun intended. And I was just completely lost. I was living in New York City at the time and was broke as a joke. I was an actress and a yoga teacher. And, you know, it was really hard to find the right help. Um, I tried different therapists and just nothing really stuck. I stuck. I did eventually move to LA um, around 33 years old. And I found an incredible therapist where we did a lot of healing and trauma work from that relationship. And as I mentioned, I was a yoga teacher. So I really did understand what it felt like to be with my emotions, meet my emotions in my body, mindfulness presence. But the big key piece in that therapy work with her was mindfulness, self-compassion. I completely judged myself for all the feelings, judged myself for the toxic relationships. And I did have a part in the toxic relationships. Um, I described my rock bottom ex as a narcissistic sociopath leading a double life, telling me I was crazy for even thinking that he would ever do that to me. And it turned out he was doing all those things. And I truly became a shell of a person physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, underweight, hair falling out of my head. Like I couldn't function. I just was so devastated. He was the person who told me he wanted to spend the rest of his life with me, have children with me. And all of this was going on simultaneously. Again, that, that therapist in LA really helped me look at my own relationship with myself. However, I still kept attracting unavailable men. And I know you ladies are in LA and so, you know what I mean? I was living well, in LA we find at the them, time. Um, story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, this is so interesting, right? I, I feel pretty healed and, and I've got some closure on the last relationship, but I kept attracting unavailable men. I really was starting to recognize my worth and advocate for myself, learned what not to do because it's even still, there were things that I said and did in the, that horrible relationship that I take responsibility for. 
and what's going on? I'm doing the work, right? I think that you might relate to this or you have friends who relate to this. Like, I don't get it. I'm doing the work. I'm in therapy. I'm reading the books. I'm meditating every day because I live in LA and that's what everybody tells me to do. And I still find myself in these, you know, unavailable situationships that seem promising in the beginning and then they're not. And then I feel like shit again. I feel abandoned. I feel rejected. I feel not enough. Even if I was dating him for six weeks, I really thought he was different and an up level from the last person Mm -hmm. only to find out like, this is where we are again. He's not interested. He wasn't looking for something, or maybe he just wasn't interested in me. And so that's where the coaching piece came in for me. It's not to say that you can't learn this in therapy, but that was when I did discover life coaching. And I was curious about it to do a coach training program where I just learned how to change my story, right? Mm -hmm. Because look, you can factually say, I keep attracting unavailable men. I keep attracting unavailable men. And look, I have this person, this person, and this person to show you as evidence. But I truly believe, and I know that this is cliche, like attracts like, and there was something unavailable in me that was attracting this unavailable person. I might be available for the relationship. I might be like, no, I'm ready. And I want love and I want to be exclusive and I want to start a family and I want to settle down. Now I'm ready, but I still was abandoning myself in a lot of other areas. I was abandoning myself with my finances. I still was really hard on myself about my body. And I thought, but I'm being really compassionate with myself, right? (laughs) So there's these sneaky ways that we don't even realize that we're being unavailable. And that's going to be different for each individual person. But when I started to really clean up my own life that just had to do with me, and I really started to get very clear about signs of unavailability, which we can get into further in this conversation. And I started to advocate for myself more in my dating life and got really clear about who it is that I was looking for and the kind of woman I wanted to be in my ideal relationship. Um, that's when my fiance arrived at 38. But I did take some time off to do that heavy lifting with myself. The last time I got my heart broken was June of 2017. And I actually was already a life coach at that point and, you know, delving deeper. And he broke my heart totally. One of those, you duped me, said a lot of things that he didn't really mean. He was light years better than the rock bottom ex at, at 30 years old. At that point, I was 36. I say the age and I harp on that because I don't think age is a thing, but I think a lot of women do think age is a thing. And so for me, finding love at 38 was the perfect time for me because I had so much to learn. But at 36, when he broke my heart, I was just like, oh my God, okay, I'm really hurting right now, but I have tools on a level that I never had before. Mm -hmm. And I looked for a heartbreak coach because I was like, you know, I've done enough therapy at this point in in time. I think, you know, therapy should always be available, uh, you know, for Mm -hmm. maintenance and if something happens, but I was like, I wonder if there's a heartbreak coach out there. So I Googled heartbreak coach and there was nothing. Oh, There were were like random articles and this is just 2017, like six years ago. And I was, it was just this like aha moment of, oh my God, this needs to be my specific need. And I've gotten my heart broken now at 36, like five or six times significantly since my twenties, I need to come up with a process and start talking about this because nobody even was six years ago. Now we see there's tons of heartbreak coaches, love coaches, relationship coaches. I like to think I'm the pioneer heartbreak. You're one of the OGs. The OGs, baby. (laughs) That's brilliant. Cause every one of us experiences heartbreak. Everyone, no one's exempt. The hottest thing in the world experiences heartbreak. Amen. Amen. And, and that's actually an aha. I'm a huge fan of the bachelor. I've watched it literally for decades. And 
um, one of my clients was like, I started watching it because you kept referencing it. And it was so fascinating to see all these hot people getting their hearts broken. And you just assume that doesn't happen to quote unquote hot people. Everybody has a different idea of what that means, right? And it's so true. No one is invincible from it. And I still say um, I'm engaged now to the love of my life. And we've been together four years and it's just been pretty much blissful the whole time, but we've had our challenges, of course. And, you know, I still say there are no guarantees a lifetime with someone and I'm all in totally committed to him. I know he's all in totally committed to me, but it's also work to keep that relationship going that I never had the tools or the ability or the strength or the resilience or the ability to be that vulnerable with someone and say, these are the things that are on my mind. These are the things that are bothering. These are the things that I need. How do you feel about that? And that's what I think keeps a relationship strong and steady, but also, I don't know, we'll see. Like, that's what I think now, but I have no control over things that might make him change, you know? So you can only, there just are no guarantees, even for me, the heartbreak coach who thinks she's figured heartbreak out. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like, you know, we all just need to figure our own stuff out. It starts with us, right? I think the certainty about who you are and the self-ownership about who you are is what will bring the right person to you. And again, I'm saying that in a very simple way. And I used to get very frustrated hearing people talk about this when I was searching, you know, even eight years ago, let's say, but really like, I think so many people get scarred from breakups is because they, they get reflected back to them. Well, you said, or you did this thing and that's just never going to work for me. And we internalize that and make it mean this is my flaw and that makes me unlovable. And so therefore no one's going to love me. I identify as someone who has anxious attachment style. Are you guys familiar with the attachment? Oh, oh yeah. I am anxious all the way. I'm both avoidant and anxious. So. Oh, you mess. No, I'm kidding. Oh, literally mess, hot mess. Oh, yeah. Like, yes, a puddle of mess right here. But it's like, here's the deal. We have our attachment styles. They are what they are. I feel like I've healed a lot of my, and now more than ever, I don't, I don't feel anxious about him leaving me, but I think like if he goes on a road trip, I'm like, what if something happened? Like my brain goes to worst case scenario still. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think a big piece of the work too, it's, it's not a problem that your brain gets anxious. It's more, how do I navigate the anxiety as it comes up? We're not doing the work to just make it go away. And the irony is when we meet our anxiety, where it's at, then we feel less anxious, right? But finding a partner that you can effectively communicate that with, but especially in the beginning stages, you keep that shit to yourself and you learn how to navigate it because I did a lot of work on myself. But when I first started dating my fiance, I was like, (laughs) oh no, if you don't hear back from them and they're like taking days to respond, forget it. It's over. We're done. (laughs) He was famous for like, I'm, I'm Irish. We're getting married in Ireland actually. Oh, yeah. And he'll like, like in the beginning stages, you know, he was living in Santa Barbara. I was living in LA. Some days I just get like a text message with a sun face emoji and a shamrock. And I was like, really? You're like, what does that mean? (laughs) He doesn't like me enough. There's someone else higher on his queue. Right. But I share all the quote unquote crazy. Right. And I don't call myself crazy, but like that kind of getting worked up because in the beginning, we don't know how that person feels and we shouldn't know what they feel. And we shouldn't know what we feel because we haven't gathered enough information, right? So there is that discomfort of the unknown and this desire for it to work out. And this person appears to be so amazing. And so again, we're not making it go away. We're learning how to manage it and not make it that other person's problem because it's too early to do that. And then 
as you get closer and time passes and you realize your worth, and this is what I work on with my clients is like, yeah, you know, after two to three months, you guys should be discussing whether or not this is something or nothing. Cause you're not, you, you have enough information to decide whether you want to move forward in an exclusive relationship or not. I've had this pattern of like getting dumped. I do like these six monthers and like out of nowhere, they just break up with me. And I feel like that is like triggered my anxious attachment even more. So now moving forward with guys, I have this fear of like, everything will be fine. If they don't text me, I'm going to be like, they're, they're breaking up with me. They're done. They don't like me anymore. And then I go and talk Alexis's ear off. Like, what did I do wrong? Is it, am I the problem? Like, it's just So here's my question for you, Julia. Okay. So in these, in this pattern of you getting dumped after six months, how many times has that actually happened? And that's my first question. I love how you guys are laughing, by the way. I'm so embarrassed. No, this is so embarrassing. Three, right? Three or four? I want to say maybe three to five. These and so, so three to five times my ego's bruised. I feel like one is too much. Oh my I God. Should be you the guys one are hilarious. I'm like three is nothing. Okay. So stay with me. Stay with me. You're doing great. Were you really, you didn't use the word, but a lot of people come to me and they tell me that they were blindsided. And then as I dig deep and after like maybe one or two sessions, I'm like, the writing was on the wall. Is it fair to say, looking back, the writing could have been on the wall? With even one of them. See, Alexis is nodding her head. Yes. Not with Matt. Everything was fine. 100%. Was all the 100%. things I wanted to hear. No. He wanted to settle down. Then out of nowhere, he's like, sorry, I'm going to break up with you. I, That's what hurts I the most. I disagree because I think how she acted and reacted to a lot of stuff was something that he was like, oh my God, over. That's true. And, I was crazy. Correct. And also <laughs> his family had a part, you know, a doing in that as well. There were so many things writing on the, I, I, okay. So. Okay. So that's the thing. This is how we break the patterns. And you heard me say, as I briefly discussed my rock bottom relationship, horrific human, he was a horrific human, but I like had a lot of big reactions. I do believe his gaslighting contributed to it for sure, but I still had shit that I needed to heal, which is why I believe he came into my life. So that's the work. Like if you and I were working together, we would be unpacking all of the ways that maybe it's true. You pushed him away and all the ways you weren't blindsided in each of those situations too, as I said before, rewrite the story as a more empowering, informative one versus that these things just keep happening to me. Mm. Because when we say this just keeps happening to me and I'm so scared it's going to happen again, I hate to say it because I don't like to fear monger with my clients, but this is where I do believe we become a self-fulfilling prophecy mm. because we're not healing our past consciously and we're not shifting the story consciously. And then we meet a cute guy and we're like, oh, but he seems so different. And then you find yourself in the same position again. And to be clear, it's not okaying the behavior of someone else screwing you over, right? That can be true. And I don't have control over that. All I have control over is my lesson in this. And do I want to rise to the occasion to take the lesson and like grow and heal as cliche again, as it sounds, I hate those cliche, like, oh, heal from my lesson and grow and learn. But like, Really and truly, you have an option, learn, heal, and grow, or just say, woe is me, feel like a victim, put yourself out there without, with that unfinished business you're carrying in your brain and in your heart and go recreate it. Mm-hmm. Same no, pattern, yeah. what if someone is going too fast too soon? Do you think that is a thing? Yes. 1 million percent. Great question, Alexis. <laughs> Alexis is getting all the gold stars here. She's Julia. Getting Thank you so much. It. I'm a star student. <laughs> 
there is absolutely a thing of going too fast too soon. Now, are there successful relationships that go too, too fast too soon? I'm putting it in air quotes because also we have to decide what does that even mean? Right. What I do in generally teach is, and trust me, I've also like, I mean, it's a whole separate thing. It's not to do it all perfectly, but I think, look, you've got to look at your pattern. If you go all in after two dates, all your eggs are in one basket, you stop swiping. Let's say you're on the apps and you just decide you're all in with this person or you go, you hang out with that person four or five times a week for three weeks and all of a sudden they disappear and you're like, I don't get it. It's like, you didn't know that person. Mm. You didn't know that person. And what I always say to my clients is even if someone is showing up and they seem different and they seem really available and they just really like you and they just want to spend time with you, it isn't about you know, them seeming different. It's about you showing up differently, mm-hmm. even if that person is available. And that was the biggest game changer for me with my fiance. You know, we had 80 miles between us, LA, Santa Barbara, but we spent weekends together. So even like I've, I've shared this on my podcast and I got a lot of shit for it, but I'm all about transparency. Um, I, we, we spent the first, I, I booked a hotel room when we were, you know, going on our first date, but um, we spent the first, it ended up going from Saturday through Monday, <laughs> the first wow. weekend. Now I checked in with my coach. I checked in with another good friend of mine who is a coach. I had done a lot of work on myself and I was like, there is a connection here. This is totally breaking my rules. This is like what I would not advise any of my clients to do. And I'm aware <laughs> of this. And I'm also deciding, right. If, if I never see this man again, I'm taking responsibility for, you know, here's what I believed. If I stayed through Monday, that wasn't going to make or break our relationship. Right. The way I felt about it was, look, if we were going out on a date and we both live local, locally in LA, I wouldn't have done it, but he has four kids. So I knew I wasn't going to see him for another two weeks. So we were kind of just like getting it all in. He's also at the time, 47, I was 38. And I was like, this is a man. And this was really nice and really refreshing compared to the man children I had been dating for a long time. And, you know, I made that choice, but I was going to be willing to feel the negative emotion if I never heard from him again. However, in the two weeks in between, we weren't blowing each other up all day. As I said, he sent a sun face emoji and a shamrock some days, and that was the most I got, right? So we very much stayed in our lives. And there was like a phone call here, a phone call there. And, you know, by the time we hit about six to eight weeks, I can't exactly remember, but we both had this moment of like, oh my God, like we're so into each other. Right. And we'd only spent a couple of weekends. And, you know, what I said to him was, I just want you to know if this is who you are, I am all in, but I don't know that this is who you are because I haven't spent enough time with you and I've dated enough. And I'm not saying this to be some cynical Sally or like create drama. I'm just saying you know, I've been around the dating block enough to know that, you know, I think I know someone and I think a connection is real and it blows up in my face and I just, I'm not doing that. So I just want you to know I'm having the best time and I hope you are who you appear to be. (laughs) And I'm so curious, is, is he, did you go for a different type this time? Is he different than? Yeah. I mean, divorced with four children, number one. Uh, not a struggling artist. Number two, <laughs> <laughs> like um, don't work on. I always say like go for a new type, and yeah. I, I'm always curious that yeah. like maybe that's well, that's a again Alexis Goldstar question. Um, <laughs> I think you know what I decided right before uh, I put myself out there again in 2019, right when I met him. 
I had this kind of come to Jesus mm. moment with myself because I, I really created a finding love process that I teach my clients now. And I was like, I got to like try this out on myself. And I was like, oh, this works. So I, I just sort of noticed all of my limiting beliefs as I swiped in LA. And it's like, we all can pull an actor out like in five seconds oh because my, of oh the my gosh. <laughs> actors and creators. Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, and I'm so salty. <laughs> I had, a, I had, a, had a handful of experiences with actors that made my brain say, oh my God, actors are unavailable and actors are narcissists and actors are assholes. But meanwhile, I was in an acting class with lovely guys that were in therapy, that were in committed relationships. And I was like, oh, interesting. That's not necessarily true. And then what I realized was if, you know, of course I pursued acting for 15 plus years and my parents always thought I would make a great lawyer. And I thought, wow. And it, it was an, epif an epiphany that I had. If I became a lawyer, I would have attracted the same unavailable lawyers. It wasn't their career. It was my emotional unavailability that attracted their emotional mm -hmm. unavailability because till this day, I have friends in wonderful, solid relationships with producers, writers, actors, directors, right? So it's easy to say that. And look, is there the stereotype in LA of artist man child? 100%, but why are you attracting them? Why are you engaging with them? But I made a rule with myself. I said, you know, if you're writing off actors just based on your past experience, Claire, you're cutting off, like cutting out a huge number of men in Los Angeles. So if you're attracted and you find that there's a connection and you have a good exchange on Bumble or Hinge or whatever, go find out more right. instead of just automatically writing people off because you've had, and like, I swear I had my heart broken by four or five actors. I'm not even kidding. Like it doesn't matter the profession. It's the person. And like, exactly it's like, why do we attract emotionally unavailable people? But like you said, it's within ourselves. And I've never heard anybody say it that way. And it's like, we can look outward, but it's like, let's look inward. What is it in me? Because people, energy is a thing. I feel like, right. People can feel it. Cannot it. lie. Energy cannot lie. Mm -hmm. And you know, <laughs> Julia, I swear to God, I'm not trying I'm pointing finger. Please, please. No, point what up, I'm Claire. saying is, <laughs> what I'm saying is, I appreciate you being a good sport. Like when you're like, oh my god, and it's so embarrassing, right? It's like I want you to rewrite that story and have it not be embarrassing to you. Yeah, yeah, Julia, yeah. I write <laughs> that shit. I know, but after a while, it's like, is it me? It's me. I'm the problem. It's me. But it's you know, no. It's, I know the problem not, but... is you think you're the problem. That's the problem. I always say the broken parts of me attracted the broken parts of him. I didn't behave in that way. I would never do those things. But I thought so lowly of myself, which is how he came into my life to bring all that shit up so I can shine a light on it and finally do something about it. What if there's no one better going on so many hinge dates and like meeting people out? It's like maybe there is no one better. Maybe it's just like I should just be content with just myself and give up on love. And I don't know. What's your thought? Yeah. So here's what I'm going to tell you. You may or may not agree. Some of my clients don't, but most of them agree with this. But I think you have to decide for yourself. And that's such an important, um, if you're looking for a coach or a therapist, work with someone who wants to work with you that you can come together and figure out how to approach this. Cause I think again, excellent question. <laughs> I decided in my late thirties, again, before finding Larry, my fiance, I decided that I was going to love the fuck out of my life, regardless of if he ever came now. Wait, I can you repeat that one more time for the people in the back? Yep. Yes. <laughs> I decided that I was going to love the fuck out of my life regardless of if he ever came. Oh, 
Postmark. Now, that doesn't mean I'm denying that I want him to come, right? Because there's some people like, I'm good single. And some people are good single, but I think a majority of people would rather share their life. I mean, I hate to be mushy gushy, but like Larry is like, I still four years later, I'm so giddy curling up with him in bed at night. And then like the other night, he, the other morning he was like, wasn't it weird that we both woke up at three 30 in the middle of the night? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, I could feel that you were still awake. And I almost pulled my phone open, but then I was like, no, I just feel so calm next to her. So I just like uh-huh. laid there with you. And it's just like, yeah, there's just like, and I think when you're old, a little bit older and I am older than you guys, but I will offer this to you because I think anyone can, and, and because Julia has been broken up with so many times, maybe she'll get this. But once you've been heartbroken a number of times, when you do find your right person, like I I never take him for granted. Like it's just, it's so great and it's so blissful. So I truly believe life is better with your ideal person. Mm -hmm. But if your ideal person isn't here, I would much rather hang out with my badass self and my amazing friends and my amazing family and do all the amazing things and create a dream career for myself, which is what I did, than be with some asshole who's giving me crumbs. Like, I'm just not, like by 38, I was like, I'm not fucking doing that. Now, some people hearing that are going to say, I don't want to be by myself. I don't want it. I don't like it. (laughs) And I get that. I believe in my process of finding love. So I I had this come to Jesus of like, okay, but if he never comes, I'm going to love the fuck out of my life. And I'm also going to learn how to really love my own company. And part of loving your own company is being willing to feel your negative emotions while you're lonely, right? Like, cause you're not always going to have someone here. And as you get older, a lot of friends marry off, they have kids, they're not always available. But I also say, go find yourself some amazing single friends, which LA is so easy to do. Totally. But <laughs> beyond that, um, I really believed in my process of finding love, which is owning your singledom at whatever age that you are, owning the fuck out of who you are, living your best life, getting really clear about who it is that you want to attract and then go and find him and learn how to consciously date, learn how to consciously swipe because the the apps are a shit show. I don't deny that. So do you want to indulge in the drama of the shit show or do you want to potentially find your person on there? Do you want to be a grown-up in your finding love process and just decide that you're going to love your life until that person arrives or if he, she, they never arrive, then can you just make peace with that. But I, you know, there's a two, there's two sides to that coin. Cause I think another thing too, is that I decided, um, I believe that he's coming, but I don't know when, and I don't know how. So also I'm going to consciously look for him every day, which for me was swiping and creating time in my schedule to get out there and date and enjoy the process. And again, be willing to feel negative emotion when you're dealing with a schmuck or whatever, but then it's like, Oh, okay. Thank you. Next. Literally. Mm -hmm. There, I do believe your person is out there, but you have to be really committing to keeping your eye on the prize and love the fuck out of your life and enjoy the process of finding him. Yeah. Cause I know you mentioned, um, in your podcast that a lot of us compare and as we get older, our friends are getting married. And I know you did an episode on one, um, you know, this, I'm more of a catch than her. How did she find somebody and not me? Or like, I'm way back. I have so much to offer. And it's easy to get stuck in that trap of like, why, when's it going to be my time essentially? Yeah. Well, first of all, Julia, you just got a gold star for doing your research and listening to my podcast. First gold star. You need to keep up friend. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) 
had to give credit where it's due. Um, yeah, a hundred percent. And I think it's very human to compare and despair, right? So how do we manage our minds and our hearts and go about our days when you find out another one bites the dust, right? It's like, okay. And, and again, that's why I really appreciate if I say so myself, my own coaching perspective, I think it all worked out for me career-wise and personally that I can speak from experience of not finding love till 38 years old. You know, I think my experience with being an actor actually really helped me prepare for dating because I watched all my friends book jobs. And yeah, sometimes I got the job, but a lot of times other people got the job. And so I had to build a resilient muscle and keep my own eye on my own prize and stay in my own lane. And, you know, another thing that I say to people who are in that compare and despair and, oh, now this person's getting married and that person found love and this person is getting pregnant and blah, blah, blah. You know, do you even know anything about those people's relationships? Because I have a lot of people in relationships and I know very, that's actually not true. I now know a lot of people in very happy relationships because I have clients who find love and I surround myself with healthy people who are in healthy relationships. But there are a lot of people out there that are in miserable relationships and are just going through the motions, unconsciously choosing each other. And, you know, you have no idea what's going on behind closed doors. So we just assume like you, you've checked off the engagement box, but you don't even know, or, or maybe you do know. And it's like, I wouldn't even want that relationship anyway. That's exactly how I feel. And that was another story that I told myself, which may sound really cocky because again, as I got into my late thirties, a lot of my friends from high school, college, and I hear this a lot too, like, no, but Claire, you don't understand because I grew up in a town and where like people are really checking off the boxes and you go to the best college and then you graduate and then you get the best job in the city. And then you meet someone and you get married at 26, 27, 28. And I was like, Oh no, I, I went, I, I grew up in that place in Westchester County, New York, right? New York represent if anyone's yeah. listening. <laughs> I, I grew up in that town and you know, I felt a calling to become an actor, which was very different from what my friends did. I, I like had this artsy fartsy pull in me from, you know, when I was younger and I, I'm proud of myself that I listened to that and didn't just like squash that because, you know, mom and dad and all my friends are doing the conventional thing. Right. And so, yeah, there were a lot of people getting married, but I was also like, that's nice, but also I don't want their husband. Thousand percent. That's how I feel. Yeah, I agree. And 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 that doesn't mean you're shitting on them. It's like they found the right person for them, or their values and what they're looking for in a relationship aren't what I'm looking for. I'm looking for fucking off the charts chemistry, loyalty, commitment, fun, kindness, honesty, trust, wanting the same things. Like I I don't want you know just check off the boxes because we've hit this stage in our lives and this works and we've got a friendship like I want I wanted the fairy tale Mm -hmm. and I got it it just took me a longer time but I wouldn't change it for anything Mm -hmm. good things come to those who wait and (laughs) work for it right and don't settle because of societal pressures to like get it going now now what if we are still craving his crumbs what what if Alexis Gold you tell me Alexis. what no, you tell me I'm friends with a lot of my exes love my life and I try really hard to just be so focused on me until the right one comes but I think when I do get a little lonely I'm like well I still kind of crave that attention from the ex okay but I think you're asking the question from a different perspective but you're what I'm hearing you say is I'm good on my own. I'd rather be on my own than with crumbs, but sometimes I don't mind a little attention from said crumbs. Thousand percent. Yeah. 
I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that's the same as we broke up, but I'm not over him. And the reason why I broke up with him is because he's giving me crumbs, but like, oh, I haven't found anybody else. So I'm just going to like get a little hit from him. And then I'm going to feel like shit afterwards because now I want him even more. Right. Mm -hmm. Those are two different perspectives. Which so one do you find that girls are lean more towards? Which one? What I just said. Okay. Let's go with that one. <laughs> yeah. And then I, what I say is like, until you're ready to clear your deck <laughs> and <laughs> stop saying yes to unavailability don't expect Mr. Available to arrive. Now, someone listening could be like, well, my friend, she was hooking up with her ex and now that's when she met her husband. I hear all the fucking exceptions the to the rules. The comes out. <laughs> that's good. There's always a fucking exception to some rule. And what I always say back is, look, I don't care about your friend. I care that you are working with me and you're looking to learn different ways to be so that you can attract different. So why would you work with me to keep getting some false affirmation and validation from some tool bag who's never going to give you what you actually want? Learn how to give it to yourself and clear the space for the right person to come in. I know there's always exceptions to the rules, but we're not talking about other people. We're talking about you. And that's just what I would suggest. What about for, the, for us girls that are texting that one guy? And he like watches our stories. He seems really interested. He's always flirty. And he's like, oh, we'll have to hang out sometime. Then he doesn't follow through. Unfucking available. I mean, <laughs> this whole bullshit about watching stories. And by the way, I say that I totally like fed off of, oh my God, he's number two. He's number two on the watchers, which means he's the number one watcher because there's some algorithm that the person who watches the most is <laughs> number two. Me. He loves me. He wants He's to still interested. Me. He's just busy. And it's like, fuck busy. We should hang out sometime. He should be getting your fucking number and picking up the phone and being like, hey, I'd love to take you out. When are you available? Okay. If you're newly dating someone who's hard to get a read on, my guess is he'll be hard to be in a relationship with. Oh, yeah. I still stand by that. Again, all of this is nuanced, right? I mean, sometimes Larry was hard to get a read on with a fucking sun emoji and the shamrock, right? Like, oh. come on, is that it? Yeah, give me but I, I would check myself and be like, that's him saying hi. He's a partner in a law firm and he has four kids at that time under the age of 11 with 50% custody, right? But even still, we're, we're very involved in the kids' lives even when we don't have them. So, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot going on. That's him saying hi and him keeping tabs and more will be revealed. We don't know. But what I'm really talking about in terms of like, can't get a read on, I think just to what you said, Julia, right? Like, but what if he's like saying he wants to hang out and he's liking all my pics and he's watching all my stories, but he's not asking. It's like the writing is on the wall. There's nothing to get a read on there. He's just <laughs> not available. Right. And I think when we start out that way, I mean, one thing that I will say about Larry is every time we parted ways, he was like, this is the next time I can see you. Are you available? Right. And then followed through with that. It's just, it's that simple. I like the and it's like through. now I'm like, oh my God, he asked me out on a date and put the date on it. And then he followed through on it. Like, I mean, oh, these are the standards so that were like, whoa. And it's like, this is the basic shit that just, I honestly think was so much easier without Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, all the shit and dating apps. And we didn't even have a cell phone and you'd have to call and like, ask your mom to speak yeah. to you and like leave a voicemail or show up at the door yeah, and like actually... ask to say hello to your dad first. <laughs> okay. So heartbreak, 
you mentioned that when you're going through a breakup, the heart, at least for me, the hardest time is the mornings waking up mm-hmm. and remembering that this was not a dream. So what are some steps to like get through those painful mornings? Yeah. And they're really simple and basic, but I think if anybody is listening who is heartbroken, will know that these feel like major challenges, right? I think letting yourself be in bed a little bit longer, being really gentle with yourself. I love my coffee in the morning, but I would suggest not being as caffeinated in the morning, but I, that was delicious to me. I also think you have to understand your nervous system and how you respond to coffee. So for me, I don't get jittery from my coffee, but I just, I've said this many times. I just remember being in my freezing cold, tiny little Brooklyn apartment, going through my rock bottom relationship. And I just remember feeling like making a cup of coffee was like an accomplishment. Um, And then for me, I really suggest this and a lot of people don't want to do it, but sitting and meditating and lighting a candle and praying and like having some kind of spiritual book. I read this book by Mark Nepo at the time and as in Nancy E-P-O. Oh, it's, 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 um, I'm drawing a blank, but he has this, it had these like daily passages to read. And then um, Melanie Beattie, she, she's an old school author on codependency. And so I, that, that work really resonated with me at the time. And so I would just read these daily passages. I had a few prayers, Um, Marianne Williamson, who teaches the course in miracles. I just had a bunch of books and I had my journal and I had a candle and I was meditating and I was just feeling my fucking feelings. And I know that that doesn't sound fun or inviting, but that is step two of my five-step process to stopping wanting someone back is like saying hello to your pain, letting your heart break, being with your emotions. And, you know, for me personally, I had a very suppressed appetite. I lost a lot of weight, but I would make myself eat these just very nutrient heavy shakes. Like that was easy to get down in my system. Our guts are connected to our brains. And so if we're not fueling our guts properly, our minds can't really function well. And we're so heartbroken and so depressed and so depleted and such low energy. It's really important to be fueling our body with the proper nutrients that it needs. You have your famous five-step how to get over a breakup. Can you list that off for our audience? Oh, for sure. Um, So step one, cut contact. That includes all social media blockage. And if you're best friends with his sister, you've got to just reach out and say, hey, like this isn't healthy for me to be connected to you within this way. I'm not trying to say F you because we're breaking up, but you know, it's just not good for me because then if she posts a picture with him or every time she posts a picture, you're triggered same with his mom. I just, it's just, it's not worth it. And a lot of people say, well, I don't want him to think that I care. Well, okay. Do you want to just spend time worrying about what he thinks about you needing to cut contact with all those around him? Or do you want to actually cut contact and start, you know, disconnecting and really focusing on yourself? Step two, I touched on earlier, let your heart break, right? Like that looks like for me, what I suggested in the morning, facing it, you know, writing your thoughts, um, reading passages that will give you some peace. I'm a big believer in God, a higher power praying. Like I had many mornings where I just (laughs) take this from me, please. Like I'm here, show me the way, show me the lesson. Um, but that's going to be different for everybody. So figuring out what that looks like for you. And it can also be different from day to day. Number three, create closure. Creating closure doesn't mean getting the closure from that person necessarily. Let's say you date someone only for six weeks and they just ghost and you don't get any answers. 
How do you create that for yourself? Similar to rewriting the story. And also, let's say you're beating yourself up. I shouldn't have said or done this thing. Now we're here. Create that closure for yourself. Why did it have to unfold that way? I mean, we can lean into the reality of the situation. I have my favorite quote by Byron Katie. She says, when you argue with reality, you suffer. The reality is you're no longer together. So how can I create closure with the situation for myself? Step four, we touched on this earlier, is uh, fall in love with you, which again, as I, you know, gave these little steps, titles, fall in love with you, very cliche self-help thing to say, but when I was in the depths of, of despair, turning 30, um, now 12 years ago, almost 13 years ago, I had my 30th birthday party planned, discovered my rock bottom ex that I've been referring to was cheating on me. So I canceled the party because I was just completely gutted. And my birthday is February 12th. So there was this like, um, you know, Valentine's workshop that my best friend signed me up for that was like a self-love workshop. And we went, a few of us went, they took, they went with me and, um, the guy was just talking about the importance of loving yourself. And we were all like, yeah, that's great and all, but what the fuck does loving yourself mean? Right. Like, What does that look like? And so, um, I have a section, I have a course available right now and it's called fall in love with you. And it's just all the different ways that you may be rejecting yourself, abandoning yourself. It could, you know, there's a, there's a video on money. There's a video on your body. There's a video on your thoughts about your age. There's a video on singledom. There's, you know, all the different ways that we don't even realize that we're not loving ourselves. And that to me, it looks like consciously dating yourself and really embracing who you are and owning who you are. And then part of that, Julia, you would love this video. It's called becoming the heroine of your love life story, owning your history and like rewriting it so that if you're on a date with someone and they're like, you're so great, why are you single? Well, let me tell you, like by the time I met Larry at 38, I was just like, yeah, I mean, not that he asked that, but in my mind, I was just like, yeah, it's been a fucking journey. I, you know, was a train wreck in my twenties into my thirties, found myself in a really abusive relationship. I realized he was a mirror reflection of my own lack of love for myself. I did a deep dive soul searching journey on myself. I discovered coaching. I've created this heartbreak coaching business and I really went all in on a process to help heal hearts and then realized I was ready for the right healthy relationship, but it took me a while to get there. And then step five is find someone better, right? So, so let's just recap one cut contact two, let your heart break three, create closure, like true closure, peace and acceptance on that relationship Four date yourself, fall in love with yourself. And then five, you'll be ready to go find someone better. And I have a whole process on what that looks like in my course and in my program. Every girl is going to be like, I want more from her because yes. we're feeling the same. Where can they find it? How can they get it? And you also have a podcast. That's amazing. Where can just tell us? Oh, thanks you guys so much. This has been so much fun. So uh, my podcast is called stop wanting him back and find someone better. And then you could go to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com. I currently am working one-on-one and I have a group program where you gain access to that 75 video course, but I offer four group calls a week at various times. There are women all over the world in the program. Mm -hmm. It's an anonymous group coaching program and you learn so much by watching others as well. Even as I was watching you, Alexis, I was like, when I was coaching you a little bit, right, Julia, that it's like, you're like, mm-hmm, yeah, like you see it so easily from the outside, right? So the women really get a lot out of that um, learning by watching coaching and then also totally. finding themselves. 
And then I just re-released because I put the course on and off the shelves. The course is available right now just to sign up. Um, 75 video course. You can find it at clairetheheartbreakcoach.com. There's the fall, uh, there's the stop wanting and back section, the fall in love with you section, find someone better section. And then I just um, last October added in a bonus step-by-step dating guide section. And then there's an introduction section as well that sets you up for all the tools on how to navigate the videos, lifetime access. And then I offer um, right now, if you purchase the course, you can get a one-on-one coaching session for free with the course. Wow. Amazing. And we're going to link all this. So no one's Thank stressed you. that's listening. Yeah, They're like writing it down like, ah, it will be right there. No, we will link it. Don't worry. You can just follow click. me at Claire the Heartbreak Coach where, you know, you can find all that information as well on Instagram. Oh my gosh, Yay. this is so this great. This has been a blast and I've learned so much. There's hope for us. There's <laughs> hope in the world for us single ladies. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on. Excuse my friend. So You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What a blast. Thank you so much.